Welcome to the NY Patriot Show. Uh, very special and exciting show for me uh, this morning, and I'm hoping it's uh, the same for the listeners and the people jumping in on the live. Uh, I am being hosted by the one and only Synthetic Psyop. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, it's because you're not in the damn element server. That's why you don't know who he is. And you should know who he is because you should be in the element server. So, uh, you know, I got to plug both at the same time. But uh, yeah, Synthetic PSYOP is uh, him, Asha, and Helen were like the three that put together the uh, Element server for Cult Rejects and Friends and, you know, all the other shows that are in there. Um, I've been begging and asking him to come on, and I finally got him on. Uh, and I got a new guest coming on today, somebody that hit me up, and uh, just, just for me, and how it seemed after he hit me up, I felt like we clicked. I felt like we we're kind of on the same page about things and trying to move in the same direction. And uh, I'm very, very excited to have this uh, this guy on for the first time. Uh, we have Lee from Inner Guardians. Uh, his links and everything are already in the bottom. I highly suggest to go check out his YouTube channel. He has great stuff on there. Go check out everything. Um, and yeah, so we'll get to it. Uh, we'll get to it now. I'll stop running my mouth, but I'll let uh, Synthetics... Why don't you uh, plug uh, maybe where people can find you or if you got anything that you want to uh, say. And uh, then we'll go into uh, Lee and let him introduce himself. I have an Instagram. You can find me on there, Synthetic okay. PSYOP. I have a bid shoot channel, uh, Synthetic underscore PSYOP, where I post videos. Uh, also an admin in the Occult Rejects and Friends Element server. Uh, just a little house cleaning note. There's a podcast over in the UK called The... Amish Inquisition. Helen is friends with them. They got their Discord nukes nuked. Uh, so we came together. We built them an element server. They've been hitting the ground running. So good way to start off the year. One podcast community helping another. So yeah. shout out to those guys. Um, and happy to be here. Awesome. And thank you very much, man. We all Anytime. appreciate everything that you guys are doing. At least I do. Well, thank you. Know, you. For, for, for real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> and then we got uh, somebody's calling him uh, Master Lee. We got Master Lee uh, here today with us from uh, Inner Guardians. What's going on, Lee? Yeah, salutations, everybody. And uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to come on this podcast. Uh, it looks like it's going to be an interesting subject um, human versus machine. Uh, I guess that's. Well, I got That's that from your, much... your YouTube, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> for those that want to uh, follow my work or contact me in any way, um, I've got a website, which is innerguardians.com. I've also got a YouTube channel, which um, I believe you put the link in the yes, description. Yes. Um, we've also got a Facebook page, but it's I generally don't use Facebook too much. Uh, and that's around about it. Um, I do uh, the occasional podcast although i'm doing a lot more now uh, i've been i've had a lot of time freed up over the last uh, month or so so i'm going to be putting out a lot more content but for the most part a lot a lot of my stuff or well, most of my stuff is done via what we call the dojos which are online uh, group meetings so you could say it's a esoteric online group that's that seems to be the direction that we're moving in um one of the main reasons it's it kind of it was born out of the lockdowns you know, with everybody <laughs> going on to Zoom and all of that stuff. This show was born in the lockdowns. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of things born out of those times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we get together, and it also means that people from all over uh, the realm, all over the earth, can uh, actually hook up and we get together. And what I basically do is I run through the foundation work of uh, what you could say would be the Silver Age. So your, your Gurdjieff's, your Steiner's, um, your Ospensky type of uh, esoteric studies, which, which, not coincidentally, is all based on man being like a machine. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, sorry, I thought I muted myself. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Now, uh, Lee, you were... I'm sorry. You were mentioning uh, the, the like your dojo stuff, correct? Sure. Now that is like another thing. Like you can also access that from your uh, YouTube or no? No, it's all done via Zoom. So people send me an email, and then we always ask for a little bit of a description of their background because we are conscious of types of like infiltration and uh, stuff like that. All right. Now, the reason uh, I asked is because I thought you might have had like a, you know, some YouTube channels will have like a not a subscribe. It's like almost another subscribe where you can kind of like join no. like whatever they're, whatever you were talking about. I thought you might have had that on your YouTube. No, I mean, we, we, we don't hide anything behind a paywall. Um, we run the esoteric group pretty much the same as uh, a physical esoteric group. Okay. So there would be a, a basic kind of, uh, not, not really interview, but introduction. We just want to see if we're on the same page. It's, this type of study, it's not suitable for everybody. We generally look for people with those with a particular magnetic center. Um, and they probably would have done prior work um, in various different studies, uh, different backgrounds. But it's kind of like we try and get the gist. Um, and it's, you could say it's a foundation work where we do go into things. Now, a lot of stuff we do go into is, is purely ideas. So it's kind of research-based, uh, but we're actually doing the research within a group setting. And... Um, one of the things that originally concerned me by doing it online was that we wouldn't be able to communicate energetically because in esoteric studies, it's about a group of people um, getting together. And it's not just about the exchange of knowledge and information and data. It's about uh, the energetic um, tran transmission, you could say, um, and the preparation. And one thing I, I want to be clear about that um, I describe it as a teacher versus preacher. So with the preacher, they uh, will try to convince you of their belief system, yeah? With a teacher, it's about uh, teaching somebody how to actually access their own knowledge through themselves, okay? And and from as far as I'm concerned, that is almost the big secret. That is what has been denied humanity because we're always um, looking for knowledge over here, over there, uh, people in wearing white coats, clipboards, politicians in dark suits, they're always happy to give us this external information. When when it comes to the esoteric, it's all about accessing the knowledge through the self, through the higher self, and making that connectivity. Um, and that's where a teacher comes in. So I'm always cautious when people um, sort of say to me that they have the knowledge or they've discovered the knowledge, um, because what that would normally indicate is that it's really it's a collective of knowledge from external influences. Uh, without any sort of, you could say, divine or uh, spiritual world uh, connection through the self, not through a, a priest or um, clergy or some kind of uh, mystic. 
You don't want to start sounding like David Griffin from uh, the Golden Boy. <laughs> I have found the no. answer. <laughs> so you're looking more to find if people are a good fit for your group and if they've maybe done some inner work in the past to kind of contribute and, and learn from you. Yeah, and we do have we do have different types of dojos. So uh, we do one called the Mind Master, which is you could say that it's, I would probably describe it not so much esoteric. It's more mesoteric. So it's kind of in between um, esoteric and the exoteric. Uh, and what that means is it's kind of like practical applications of of esoteric studies, so that we can actually use it practically in a day to day life. So basically, you have a better ability to process or have a better cognitive functioning. You know, I think it's important that you just said, and, and you know, I think it happens, I'm sure it happens with my show constantly as well as anybody else's show. Um, you can talk about, like, esoteric or, like, occult things, but, you know, I, I think sometimes people get stuck in the whole idea of, like, well, it's just, like, they'll listen to me or maybe you, and we'll say, that, like, we think something means something, and they'll just take that. And yeah. just accept that and not like so much why. Like a lot of things, like even for myself, a lot of these things have been, become beliefs for me because like, yes, I may have heard that once before from someone else, but like I actually had to make like a serious connection through like meditation on that idea. Sure. You know what I'm saying like it, it's almost as if like I, like my opinions could be a roadmap for someone to go venture and see if they get the same experience to see if that matches. Mm -hmm. But it may not always be the same for everybody else. People have different ways of representing things and making connections in their mind. What I'm saying may not yeah. work for you. It may not be correct. But, like, I think it really comes down to, like, what you were saying, preaching and teaching. I think the preaching, yeah. it becomes more of just, like, I'm just accepting this with blind faith instead of, like, well, let me dive into that and see if I come to that conclusion myself. Sure. You know, and yeah, I think so that's a big misunderstanding that even happens in the, in the occult community itself. You know, yeah, I mean, even with uh, sort of more mundane or practical things. So as an example, I, and I've done this throughout my, um, for those who don't know, I'm heavily into the martial arts. So, um, so for instance, I would take uh, a weapon, a traditional weapon. Um, I wouldn't have received any formal training. And I would li literally spend hours in the dojo trying to figure out how I would actually apply and use this weapon. And I would make sure, I, I would deliberately make sure that I didn't receive any formal teaching. And then once I once I was happy with this is how I would do it, I would then compare it to a formal teacher or I would go to a formal teacher. And more often than not, I'd, I'd, I'd literally come to the same logical conclusions. Yeah. So I was able to verify stuff that way. And um, I've also done that with a lot of the uh, esoteric stuff. Uh, I mean, one of the first principles of esoteric studies is that one of the major problems with humans is that they have a propensity to believe anything that they are told. Sure. Okay. So one of the first stages is to get, is to get rid of that or to eradicate that. And, um, which is a difficult process because for the most part, most of the things that we, we know, um, or we think we know, or we believe are actually, uh, things that were given to us that were kind of inserted into our indoctrination, our education, uh, our belief system and our personality and the ego, you could say. So the, the initial stages of real esoteric studies is the dissolving of that, but you mm. can't do it overnight. It, it takes, you know, you've got to go from literally one way of processing to another way of processing. 
Like, and it's not an instant thing. It's a, it's a process, you know? I don't think you could have said that any better, man. Like, I, I've, yeah. I've always said, like, I really feel like uh, when it comes to getting into this stuff, it's really all about rewiring your program system. Like, yeah. basically shattering the old one and installing the one that you, you think works. You know what I'm saying? To a degree. Yeah. That's a really good way to say it. And, well, and what you were saying before, and it's kind of funny going along with the name of the show, uh, you know, you were saying how kind of humans are almost to the point to where it's like you're just told something and then that's what you believe and then that's what you do. That's very much mm. like a computer and a machine. You have a program that tells you what to do yeah. and you do it and that's it. So yeah. it's almost like humans turning into machines. Yeah, and one of the big, you could say this, the big secrets in the esoteric world is that... And, and not everybody agrees on this. I tend to go with this, that we already have somewhere within us all of the answers to all of the questions, okay? Um, one of the main problems is, is that we have to learn how to be patient, okay? So instead of running desperately to get answers, we have to do what's known as living inside a question. So we have to be prepared to accept that it's a question and be okay with the mystery of that question. And when the time's right... Um, the appropriate knowledge or answers or data will actually be given to us. As long as we can, um, uh, you could say, evolve our lower lower centers, our lower nature, to a position that it's suitable to be able to access. So in, the sim in simple terms, our basic functions that we have, that we're born with, um, and that evolve under natural law, they're not, they're, that's not the destination. There, you could say, are the steps to access our higher centers. Some people say higher self. Um, we'll describe it as higher centers. Once you're able to access those higher centers, and this is how, if you talk about the the sort of the greats uh, in the past, like your Spenskis, your uh, Gurdjieffs, um, and, and many others, all the way to Plato, Socrates, so on and so forth, at some point they were able to access, you could say, those filing cabinets of, of, of higher knowledge. Okay, um, even if you take Rudolf Steiner, it would be physically impossible to uh, submit or download that much information under natural conditions. So at some point, he must have been able to access other places of his own, his own self. Uh, some people will say that he used um, different techniques. So when, rather than go to sleep for eight hours and wasting that time, he would actually be working for eight hours, which would actually give him an extra, I don't know, 20 odd years of, of, of work. And um, so, so going back to the, the Mind Master Dojo, that's one of the techniques that we do teach. Um, we, we teach it as uh, deep thought processing. So it's, it's I'll, tr I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. It's a technique of uh, distillating a question, because normally it's the question that's not, not right. The question's way too big. <laughs> so we distillate the question we make it so it's more pointed, and then um, we load it with attention and intention, and then when we go to sleep, or we can, if we can get into a theta state, we then shoot that question into the theta state. And you know everybody says um, to people when they've got a problem or a question, ah, oh, sleep on it. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's truth in that. Uh, the, the thing is, leaving it to be random can be problematic. So what all we do is... We, um, we actually map out how we function. Um, we, we apply attention to how we function. 
and then we're able to um, distillate the question and then fire it into the theta state. And then when we wake up or when we come back to, say, the beta sphere, um, we may not have the exact answer, but what we may find is that the answer will bleed through us through the next 24 hours or 48 hours. Or you might be driving down the road and you see a sign and you're like, ah, and that triggers, Uh ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it comes down to remembering what you, whatever you found in the theta state. Well, to your point about the, you know, picking up the weapon in the dojo and and trying to come up with the body mechanics to use it, how you would use it. I, I think it was Plato that said all learning is remembering. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so, the, just just one other important point while we're on the subject, I use the technique when it comes to teaching. I always have done. Um, it's in the martial arts and in the, the esoteric world that when a student is in front of me, it's not a case of me giving them or telling them something they don't know. I look at them as though, as though they already know, they've just forgotten. Yes. And this could apply to anything, changing a light bulb, um, changing a wheel on a car, changing a spark plug, whatever, yeah? Uh, we already know. Somewhere, uh, you could probably say uh, some larger consciousness system, that information is already there and it's available. We just don't know how to access it. And like I say, this is quite possibly the biggest secret that the controllers don't want us to know. Sure. Do you think, uh, your opinion with magic, do you think that's what magic kind of comes down to sometimes, is contacting kind of like like inner knowledge? Like that's what it's all about, is like making that connection? Yeah, well, yeah, you could say that's a a magic in itself. Yeah. It's part of it. Um, I tend to describe it in a slightly different way. I tend to... So, for instance, uh, you could describe that we're living in, say, world 48. Okay, so in in, in the tradition that I studied, it's... Um, these, these are just numbers. It, there's no... You can't really sort of um, attach anything to it. They're just numbers just to give us a conceptual framework of existence. So, let's say we live in world 48. If you want to um, connect with higher worlds, you, you try to connect with world um, 24, which means it has less laws. So there's 48 laws in this reality. When we go into a higher realm, there's 24 laws, and then there's 12 laws. So the higher up you go, there's less laws. Um, and what we try to do is we try to bring down um, the higher worlds into the lower. So the higher touches the lower and expands the middle. Yeah. So that's a esoteric principle in itself so this is what we practice and we're able to bring down say world 24 or world 12 into world 48 and that would be the definition of a miracle so if there's less laws coming down into um uh, uh, higher uh, more laws then there has to be a kind of a schism yeah. and that's when a miracle would take place so you could say that maybe the adepts or sages or um, mystics uh, people in history who performed miracles, all they were literally doing is bringing down a higher uh, reality um, into the lower worlds, which is a type of magic. Yeah, I've even yeah. had some people say that uh, they even could kind of tie that into like when people talk about the Akashic records. Sure, could that kind of just yeah. be like another way of explaining that same thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you ever think it's possible? Because I did have someone say on my show once, and I was like, oh, you know, that's... Because I do think it could kind of... 
might have even happened to me at times. Do you think there's ever like times that people could maybe try to tap into that and maybe I don't want to say learn something, but maybe like weren't ready to handle like what they kind of came back with or got. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I would say that quite possibly that's what, that's a good description of the new age movement. Um, The new age movement, the way that I, the way that I kind of view the new age movement is that it's a way of, um, so as as an example, astral projection. So astral projection, uh, a lot of people think that it means that you're going out of body and you're going out somewhere else. Yeah. Um, And without the preparation of of your inner functions that you've already got, you do kind of leave yourself wide open to all kinds of basically weird shit taking place or all types of inceptions. Uh, so um, the way that we teach it is that at the true astral projection is that you're going in. So uh, you could say the, the only way out is in. So rather than project yourself straight out, if you project yourself in and then out, basically that offers you a type of protection because you're actually exploring, uh, you could say, the inner universe rather than the, the outer universe. Hmm. That, that's in very simplistic terms. Yeah, but there's, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very cautious about a lot of the uh, kind of uh, spookism and um, kind of mysticism. I think you've got to be very, very careful with that. Um, for the most part, a lot of people want these kind of ESP or supernatural powers, quite possibly not for the best intentions. <laughs> There's always that temptation, yeah. That reminds me even with the Gateway Project, or the Gateway Tapes. Um, even then, like most of them, I feel like, uh, you know, I, maybe a lot of it could just be astral travel at first. I think that's why maybe they have you put the bubble around you, you know, or that protective sure. shield. Because like yeah. you're even saying, I, I can see a difference between going in and going out. Maybe you might pick up some trash if you go out, you know. You might yeah. get a little dirty when you come back. Well, you know, uh, as above, so below, as below, as above. Uh, I, to me, the uh, and once again, uh, a lot of these are ideas. Uh, if you was to go, I don't know, to Las Vegas, okay, uh, 12 o'clock at night by yourself, walking down the street, you're probably going to get people coming up to you trying to hustle you, yeah? Yeah. Um, and it's probably not going to be the safest place to be. Uh, not saying that there's any problems with Las Vegas, but I'll just use Las Vegas as an example. Probably any city at night time. And then if you say uh, to a 12-year-old to do that, and remember, when people go out in the astral body, they're kind of like uh, kind of immature. They're not experienced. You could say they're like uh, very childish. Um, so you're probably going to be approached by not the greatest uh, type of uh, characters. <laughs> and that has to be factored in as well. Interesting. And they may give you information. So, for instance, if you're getting hustled on the street, uh, how much truth is going to be in that hustle? Probably zero. So the same way you can get hustled on the, uh, the astral planes. <laughs> That's interesting. The same with supposed channelers or psychics, or you could you could yeah. overlay that to all kinds of different disciplines or hustles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, going back to uh, magic or definition of magic, I, I tend to see um, magic when it's done to other people. It's a basic. It's basically a way of influencing somebody else to do something um, that you want them to do. Oh yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I think has has gone on with the media and politics and everything lately. Yeah, 
It's yeah. all, uh, I feel like it's like psychological warfare just to get people to react and think the way they, somebody else wants them to. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the, uh, or the main motivations for the inner guardians was I came to a realization that if you look at our external reality, uh, everything has been, um, every, everything has been controlled. Everything's been captured, taken over land, um, basically anything of material value has been taken. The only thing left, uh, and this is where I think science is really banging its head, is the only thing left is consciousness. Uh, now, even science, they really can't put their finger on what consciousness is. And up until, only up until recently, they completely ignored it because science was based on some kind of um, Galileo model of, of, of um, measurement. So you can only think that you can measure yeah so the science was based on uh you could say the quantity or quantitative aspects of phenomena so it's all about measuring when it comes to consciousness how do you measure consciousness and this is why a lot of science they really don't like consciousness yeah because it, how do you measure it and also um they tend to think that consciousness doesn't exist it's only recently i guess with the advent of technology um then they've started to pay attention to what consciousness is uh, and one of the main problems is, is because uh, in the scientific world, because they're obsessed with the measurement, uh, the, the sort of quantitative relationship with matter, uh, when it comes to consciousness, which you can't measure, they don't know what tools, they don't know what mindset to apply to it. Um, but it kind of goes full circle because they end up trying to use some kind of uh, um, measurement to consciousness, but they're actually using consciousness to to measure it, <laughs> yeah. so you're kind of stuck in you're stuck in this kind loop. of weird loop, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're at, basically, with uh, the science world uh, when it comes to uh, technology. And you know, there's all this talk about machines or robots taking over. Um, personally, I don't think it's a done deal. I think we're quite far away from that. I think at the moment it's more. Uh, more a case of getting as many people as possible to buy into the concept that it's possible. So if you look at mm, the, uh, yeah. the three, three, is it three minute mile? So up until somebody done that, nobody could do it. As soon as somebody did it, everybody could do it. So I think it's more, it's more of a psychological thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, when, you know, I, I have mentioned stuff about Elon and just stuff with AI, and I do think that will take us. Not in the best direction, but I still think it would. I mean, unless there's you know these all these robots already built in a warehouse ready somewhere to just to be turned on. I mean, I think like it's a it's a, it's still a far reach from you know Terminator happening tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't think it's to that extent, but I do think it's getting to the point that like you're saying. I think like if with you know, coming going forward, not too long down the road, if people don't start to at least question, is that a possibility? then can things start getting worse. But I think, yeah, I don't think that's like around the corner right away. Yeah, I, I think, think there's a lot of bluffing going on. It's getting too popular. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of, from the science world and, and um, those behind technology, there's a lot of bluffing taking place. And I'm sure there are certain things that they can do, but when it comes to the, the subtleties of consciousness, um, there's still a long way to go. Uh, and even with this kind of um, the education of, AI or the mimicking of AI, 
they, they're using humans to do that. Yes. And um, from an esoteric perspective, it was often said that man is a machine. Okay, and that that was a massive, um, you, you could say that was a massive psyop. So they often said that man is like a machine. And somewhere along the line, it got hijacked and corrupted to be said that man is a machine. So in the Silver Age, the esoteric teachers didn't really mean that man is a machine. It's more a case of man is like a machine. So there's certain traits of a um, human that is machine-like. But there's a massive difference between being like a machine and being a machine. Uh, the true definition of a machine is that it doesn't, it cannot initiate its own impulses or own thoughts or own consciousness. It has to be an external um, input or inception. So they're not self-motivated. Now, straight away, people might say, yeah, but um, th this machine can do this. Yeah, but at some point, that data, uh, the programming had to be inserted into it. It's not self, it's not self initiating programming. No, it's exactly. doing what it's told. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because humans are like machines, so we, we have a, a propensity to accept external programming. And this is why uh, the world that we're living in right now, they're completely obsessed with the, um, uh, being able to, to, to program people, to, to spin narratives, to control narratives, to control the mindset. Now, um, I always saw the 2020 pandemic not necessarily as a, as a bad thing, although it's not, it's not great, but it's an opportunity to, or a great revelation to see how the world really works, to see how the world is really programmed. Because prior to that, if I try to tell people that they're being programmed and that um, within six months, people could think of something different in a different way. People would question that. After 2020, um, that was proved positive that people are programmable, programmable yes. relatively easy. Oh, yeah. So you could bring in a new normal uh, very quickly. No, I have, I have thought like, you know, I hate to say it, but yeah, I do think that there is, um, I guess, positives. Yeah, like you were saying. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, shit sucked and it has changed things, but I think it has also made people, a lot of people also be like, what the hell? Like, what just happened? Sure. What's what's happening? What's going on? So, yeah, I guess that yeah. is the positive to the, the negative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way, you have to, you have to seek out or um, redress the imbalance between the, the negative. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible times, terrible times, but... Um, like with all things, a lot of great things can come out of positive times if True. we can have the right mindset. Uh, and that takes us right back to this whole um, technology takeover. Uh, so as an example, myself as a teacher, I'm faced with you know serious questions. What do we do? Do we abandon technology? Do we em embrace technology? Um, and I know with a lot of the esoteric schools, as in the uh, the formal esoteric schools, some of them have actually insinuated to fully embrace technology because it's inevitable. We can't escape it. It's part of human evolution. Whereas other schools have said, reject it. Don't even have a smartphone. Don't have anything to do with smart technology. I tend to be um, one who sits in the middle where I think it's inevitable. We can't avoid it. I'm using technology right now. Yeah. But what we can do 
is we can influence it. We can make sure that when it comes to um, uh, the consciousness levels of, say, technology, um, that we're able to give it some morality. Morality, that would help. Because if we abandon, (laughs) you know, if the the good people abandon technology, it's going to be left in the hands of the bad people. You know, that's that's really, and as silly as it's probably going to sound to some people, that's even why I'm still trying to stay on YouTube. And it was as dumb as that sounds. It's because that's a platform that is just, it's just littered with garbage. And it's just like, well, everybody gets their stuff canceled and they just give up. Well, the platform is just going to stay worse, get worse because of everybody just giving up. So I guess like, just I don't know, I guess to kind of get back to what you were saying. That's why I keep going on to at least be some uh, hope of uh, defiance. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but. Sure. Well, um, so as a simple example, uh, I've got a phone here. So uh, if I took the stance that I don't have anything to, te- anything to do with technology, then I just bin it, okay? So nobody can contact me. Um, if I go the other way where I'm completely um, taken over by technology, any message, anything that comes on my phone, I have to attend to. Mm-hmm. My attention is taken. So I'm being consumed by technology. The middle path or the third option would be to have a smartphone, and if somebody contacts me, I check. Okay, that can wait. But there's other things to attend to. I can place my attention to 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 what I choose. I'm not being controlled or motivated by an external force. Sure. We wouldn't be able to get our shows done if we were. <laughs> yeah, I'll be totally honest with you. My, that's my opinion. I mean, there's definitely times yeah. where it's just like I have to focus on this and the, put the shit down. I just can't be bothered. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> um, not to like backtrack a little bit because we're kind of having an interesting discussion with all the AI and stuff like that and consciousness. But I did want to try to get like a little bit of, uh, I guess, maybe like your story of like what even got you into all this? Like, how did you even get into esoteric stuff, occultism, magic? Like, you know, a little bit about that, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. And there's like quite stuff, there's stuff you want to leave out for the future. That's fine because I didn't want you to think I was trying to get you to talk about yeah. the other stuff we talked about already. Yeah, no, it's a long story. Um, I would say that my kind of initiation into uh, the esoteric um, was when I was eight years old. My mother was into yoga and she used to collect all these, uh, you could say, occult and esoteric books. Um, and there was one book on astral projection. And when I was it, when I was eight, I, I had uh, I used to look at the world, I used to look at my family, I used to look at uh, school, and I used to think, Everybody's crazy. It's like uh, nothing makes sense. Yeah, it's almost like uh, maybe I was closer to source being so young. And I think a lot of children do experience this. And I, I always say to people, don't just because you've got young children around you, don't think that they don't understand certain things. Because I remember when I was young, I had quite good understanding of certain things. Yeah. Anyway, um, I started reading um, uh, a book on astral projection, and I, and I was practicing the techniques, and I actually had a uh, a type of astral projection um which it left a deep impression in me uh when i when i returned to the body um and i think going back to being being like a child uh children have great imaginations they have great uh, almost sense of non-physicality and they have imaginary friends they have you know so i think that could have played a part in it anyway when i came back i had a deep sense of 
wow, this 3D reality is not everything. There is way more to to um, to life, to existence than what we see uh, materialistically. Um, and that you could probably say that was some kind of magnetic center being formed, um, some kind of uh, attraction to the esoteric, because it left a massive question. Basically, who am I? Uh, why am I here? What is the purpose of, of existence? Anyway, uh, I grew up just like uh, most kids, and um, you kind of get into the world. You realize you've got to survive. You've got to get a job and all those things. So I kind of just went went with the norm. But um, I would always uh, read certain books. Uh, I went through various stages of studying different religions, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, stuff like that. And then, like I say, I got into I got into the world. Uh, you kind of get almost trapped into into the matrix, you could say, uh, trying to survive. Um, and but that question was still there: what is the meaning? What is the purpose? And I realised hmm, I need to find out. I need to start applying myself. It's not just about making money or um, uh, getting a car and all of these sort of worldly things. Um, anyway, uh, I won't go into the detail, but I stumbled across uh, various books. Uh, Carlos Castanedas was one. And I was reading one book um, about him, and they mentioned uh, a teacher called Gurdjieff. Uh, so I investigated Gurdjieff. Uh, long story short, I ended up in uh, um, Gurdjieff and Ospensky groups uh, for quite a few years. And uh, one of my main attractions to that type of uh, esoteric teaching was that it's very practical. It kind of gets rid of all of the... Um, I guess the sort of pseudo mysticism and new agey type stuff. It's literally like sensing your feet, directing your attention, um, connecting with your breathing. We don't do any sort of forced kind of uh, breathing techniques. We don't do any kind of weird postures or anything. It's very simple. We sit and the objective is that we can actually do the work in everyday life. So sitting on the train, waiting uh, in a reception area, we can start doing the work. Um, it's often called the fourth way. Um, so you've got the three ways, uh, the way of the yogi, the way of the monk, the way of the fakir. Uh, the fourth way is the unification of all those, but you apply it in the West, in the sort of uh, normal day-to-day -day existence. Uh, and that really appealed to me. Um, and I was able to, um, to, to try different groups um, around the world, and then I started to have serious questions about was some of the information hijacked? Was there corruption? Because let's face it, everything has been infiltrated. Yeah. So if this was the real deal, then surely uh, the, those who want to control everything would have infiltrated it. And then some serious questions came up. When I, when I started to look at certain groups, certain individuals within these groups, I started to think, are they really doing the work? Or have they actually been put down a, a type of uh, esoteric rabbit hole? Mm. Yeah. So when I started having these kind of um, thoughts and ideas, it basically meant that I had to get outside of those particular groups and start to experience different things. Um, and then, like I said earlier about when I used to practice uh, martial art weapons, so I started to try and um, explore more through myself rather than being told what to do. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to kind of see 
that there were certain things that were corrupted. So as an example, man is a machine. No, man is like a machine. Okay, so that's just one example um, of many. Just by just by inserting one word, it yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Um, and then another aspect is that I kind of figured, well, with technology coming, there's a lot of stuff that we experienced that those teachers of um, um, years gone by in the Silver Age, they would have no idea of. They wouldn't really understand it. And if they were, were to come back into the groups, they would probably say, literally, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> this was a teaching from a long, long time ago. It's no longer uh, applicable or appropriate. Yo, I even so that think was I'll be totally honest with you, even if Crowley came back right now, I really think you'd look at the OTO and be like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah. Yo, like, even as fucked up as he is, I think he would even be like, what the fuck? Like, yo, I was fucked up, but you even fucked this up even more. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't and know. I think... <laughs> It would. He, he'd be on oh. Twitter trolling all the people in the OTO, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whichever, whichever path that I've studied on, I, I always used to think, so for instance, when I used to study meditation with Buddhists, I used to think to myself, what if the Buddha walked in the room now? What would he say? And then, then when I got into esoteric Christianity, I um, used to sit there thinking, what if Jesus walked in? What would he say? Uh, and so on and so forth. So when it came to the esoteric groups, I kind of thought that they wouldn't be too happy with what we were doing. They'll probably look at everybody and say, you, you're wasting your time. You know, I laid the foundations or we laid the foundations for you to pick up the baton or take the baton and progress it into what's coming. So then that led me to get into um, futurism. So around about two thousand. Uh, uh, 2010, I got into futurism and I used to attend a lot of uh, groups in London that were talking about the future, AI and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that interested me. Uh, but in actual fact, it led me straight back into the esoteric world because I realized that um, all the questions that I, that I had about it being appropriate, it, it, it made me realize it's very appropriate because it's all about the internal organic functioning of a human. It's about the consciousness of a human. Um, and that hasn't really changed. Mm. It hasn't changed, you know. Uh, our external surroundings have changed, but internally, um, we haven't really changed. We're still the same. And the, then the problem or the question has to be, how do we protect? How do we guard the inner functions? Because that's that's the final frontier. That's the final breach of those that want to control us. Yeah. You know, you're right. Yeah. Once they hijack the consciousness, that's when it's all done and gone. Yeah. That's a really good way to... Uh, yeah. And, and if you look at... Uh, traditionally, uh, humans were enslaved by uh, chains, whips, guns, weapons, uh, then finance... Um, so most people are controlled financially and you can see with the eradication of say the uh, uh, fiat currency system um, they need to find another control mechanism well if they're going to go direct to us like to our consciousness which that's kind of like what they're insinuating then they're controlling humans at source now what have we got in place to either delay or prevent or, or um, not be controlled and that takes us back to things like astral projection 
or the creation of a higher being body or the ability to move non-physically using our uh, intention and attention, which is a major function. Think about this, right? What is the consequential side effect of a lot of technology, especially social media? It's the devolution, eradication of attention. The attention, the attention span now is around about 20 seconds. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is a precursor. This is a uh, preparation so that humans have very little um, uh, attention, intention, will. And in, in the occult, it's all about the will. So once the will has been taken or hijacked, then um, we're just hackable animals. Well, you know, you know what, and you said it earlier, and I really wasn't like, oh, I'm not trying to like, you know, beat up the OTO or anything, but like one of my own, like just for me, my personal experience, I felt like when I was there, you like you had mentioned something about people, I think, kind of getting going down rabbit holes when they shouldn't be. Mm. Or to, like, and I when I was there at one point, I guess when things started working for me or clicking for me, I just felt that the other, there was a lot of people there that were kind of like stuck going the opposite direction down a rabbit hole sure and uh you know i even often wonder like is that being done on purpose in you know, itself you know but uh well if you look at the film the matrix there's always that thing about red pill blue pill, red pill or blue pill yeah and generally speaking the sort of kind of truther movement they take the red pill personally i don't think you should take any pill <laughs> I think that in itself is the PSYOP. That was the preparation for this kind of new age truth for PSYOP, PSYOP of taking the red pill. You know, it's funny when um, I, when I look at the pills and think of like this, of like the, the Kabbalah tree of life, I'm like, well, technically none of them has gotten me across the supernal into the supernal triad. I'm, still stuck. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still stuck in the system. So it's like either one, like actually really doing much for me. I haven't yeah. gone anywhere really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and this is this is why I, I call it the third option, uh, synthesis, where when we're presented with a pendulum or a dichotomy, we try and look for the third option. Um, because those that want to control us, uh, it's very easy. They just offer you A or B. And you, you think you've got the illusion of choice. The whole pick a team isn't it? Yeah, that's the whole side of it. Yeah, stuff. red versus blue. Um, we need to kind of... Uh, get to a position of our own evolution where we can we can um, be above the dichotomy of control the the, the duality the the binary you could say mm. and uh, all of the all of these subjects especially the matrix I think that was definitely a precursor uh, preparation for um, the illusion of uh, simulation or um, some kind of artificial uh, reality and, and it's acceptance I, of it and what I was trying to get at before and then I forgot because I had a brain fart while I was talking um, what I was tr trying to eventually get to is that like you know with the rabbit holes and all that stuff and with like with magic you mentioned like will and that they want to take away your will which is exactly mm. what I think you know you, you nailed it on the head yeah. but I even think like you know do without will is such a big saying to toss around in the OTO, and, like, unfortunately, I, I think, I don't know if because of how lackadaisical, you know, or how easily that thing is just thrown around with no thought, 
But in my honest opinion, and I'm not trying to say I'm any better than, you know, other people there, but I, I really think 90% of the people that I knew there had the farthest idea of what their will was. Like, I think they buy huh. into a fake idea of what the will is. And then we'll just accept yep. that and not realize it's so much more deeper than that. So then you just still never look for it or understand it, but you think you do. If yeah. that makes any sense. It's just, I, I really feel like it's like finding their true will was like almost taken away from them because of what they're believing and they'll never find their true will. It's hard to explain. They replaced it with an illusion. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that ties in with exactly what I was saying about the esoteric schools. Uh, I suddenly had the realization that at some point, all of these esoteric schools that could make a difference to humanity got um, hijacked. And there were kind of parallel teachers that sprung up that were claiming uh, to use the methods, but they, they basically, um, they, they created the, the opposite. So as, as, as you know, things can become their own opposite and that's what they were able to do. And I, and I suddenly realized that there is no, there's no um, growth. There's no uh, expansion of consciousness. In fact, the people around me in these groups, a lot of them, and I'm, I'm not being judgmental because I think we're all kind of, trying to figure shit out yeah um but i come to some realization that they were being led into a rabbit hole and and think about it think about it from the control um the controller's perspective if you've got certain people that could awaken could be become aware of the systems of control they would then seek out schools teachers paths for freedom well that means you have to hijack all of those those pathways those options um, and, and this is why it's very difficult for me, and I, and I generally don't recommend any books, any schools, any teachers, because I can't guarantee whether they've been uh, hijacked or the literature, because remember, especially from the Silver Age, a lot of them didn't actually write books. They were uh, transcriptions of lectures and talks. Yeah. And then they've been uh, copied again, copied again, copied again. Anything could have taken place. Uh, the adding of a word, the taking out of a word, and we all know, um, if you look at the, the media, if you do an interview with the media, they're able to completely change the context of what you yes. say just by switching things around a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or showing you what they want to show you. I mean, you could have a two-minute sure. clip of something that happened and show 10 seconds of it and spin the narrative a different way. And depending on yeah. what 10 seconds you use, it might match what you're trying to say, even though it's not the truth. Yeah. And and but this could lead to some kind of uh, desperate situation where it's like, oh, where can I go for truth? There is no truth. Everything, you know. Well, in some ways, when we reach that position, when when we do realize that pretty much everything has been hijacked, everything that we've been taught and told is a lie. In some ways, that's quite refreshing because it gives us the opportunity <laughs> for a fresh, clean start. Okay, um, because when you try and build on things that. Are corrupted it's it's going to be difficult in some ways uh, and this is another reason why i think this whole phase that we're going through you, some might say it's a type of reset well yeah there's a reset for good not just for for bad there's also a reset for good and there's a great opportunities for us to um start looking at our own existence with kind of new eyes are you saying that uh, maybe more in the esoteric stuff that you see things more as maybe a personality cult on, on more of the negative side? 
Well, I think uh, what generally happens, because people have a propensity to be like a machine, and you could you could kind of say humans generally follow the line of least resistance. It's yes. far easier to just believe to believe something that somebody says rather than do the work. Um, now, and this is, this takes us back to the esoteric uh, and the occult uh, and the new age. A lot of the new age stuff is about accessing higher worlds, higher things, but without doing the work, the, the lower work. Uh, when it comes to the esoteric, um, it's all about doing the lower work. You almost got to forget about psychic phenomena, forget about astral projection, <laughs> forget about all of these wonderful things and focus on uh, a good, solid, balanced foundation. And then as a side effect of being balanced, guess what? You get higher centers, higher senses, uh, ESP, um, the ability to be more intuitive, um, spatial prediction, and stuff like that, rather than that being the main the main thing. Um, sometimes I do get people who contact me, and they'll ask me, can you teach me to read minds? Can you teach me <laughs> to perform magic tricks and blah, blah, blah? And I kind of pick up that maybe their intention isn't quite correct. So I will say to them, look, go to, go to an old people's home, take care of old people, for a few weeks, um, do some service, do something physically of service to people, go to your local uh, um, dog rescue, take dogs for a walk, do that and then come back to me and we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually pretty good because, I mean, if somebody asked me those questions, it just sounds like it was pretty selfish reasons why. So then yeah. you have them go do a selfless thing, maybe their opinion will change. <laughs> Yeah, but um, at the same time, you know, I probably sound like I'm being quite judgmental, but yeah. uh, we, we're all guilty of this in some ways, yeah? And uh, and this is, and think about this, right? This is one of the reasons why there is this mystery. This is one of the reasons why there is a veil, right? Imagine if we could manifest everything that we thought of. Think how fucked up the world would actually be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so whoever is behind this creation... Uh, kind of installed some kind of um, fail-safe uh, uh, system or function that wouldn't allow anybody just to uh, be able to do all kinds of weird shit and magic. And, and this is why you have, say, you know, laws of 48, and the only time you can create a miracle is when you can bring down uh, or attract World 24, but you can only attract that if you're resonating with World 24. Uh, I would say uh, dark occult, some dark magic would be uh, almost like um, the trickery or sorcery of bringing um, uh, higher worlds down into the lower to create a miracle. But it's in a corrupted, in a corrupted way. I can see, yeah, uh, I can see what you're getting at with that for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to mention before when you were even talking about, uh, you know, telling somebody as basic as going out and like. Uh, helping out at a place, you know, any type of like teachers or maybe like stuff that like uh, people have come across in the magic community that might be somewhat reputable, even if you read their stuff or get into like whatever they suggest to do, like for your magical, uh, you know, career or whatever, they will kind of tell you that probably sounds very boring to most people. But, mm. the, you know, a lot of them will all just say, before you start worrying about the rituals and all the garment and all that stuff, you mm. got to learn how to meditate. And that sure. already just, uh, no, nah, no, nah, can't do that. 
I got a sick quiet in my own head. But like, you know, the, some of the most boring sounding mundane things really, I think, make more of a difference than all that extra stuff, like you were saying. Yeah. And it yeah. may not sound that exciting at first because, in my opinion, you know, stuff like that that you were saying, you have to worry about the, the lower self and work on that before you start thinking about all this fancy shit. Yeah. Yeah, and also even like if you look at, say, the Freemasons, a lot of the initiations and rituals and stuff, uh, it's kind of, it's just a way of dangling the carrot. Um, from my experience of dealing with anybody from from uh, Freemasonry, uh, especially at the lower levels, they generally don't know anything about yeah. the esoteric. Um, it's very externalized, so they may do and perform certain rituals, but it's all externalized. Um, that's not to say that, uh, and I am I am generalizing, but it's not to say that there aren't certain individuals that that obviously understand the internal or spiritual science of certain things. I've no even, mud, no lotus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've even wondered that, that, that self. Uh, well, just my opinion. I I had started to think that maybe even just having different degrees is like a way of like even making people look at the order differently. Like, let me focus sure. on, oh, I got to get that third degree or that fourth degree, or I got to get that number and not actually really like, it's, it's like you're, you're starting to, I don't know how to explain it. It's starting to become like, uh, something else. And it really is, you know, you're just throwing a label and you're looking for things to achieve like a, a degree number and not actually the, you know, what you really yeah. should be looking at. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or it becomes um, like a badge just to wear. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, externalizing certain things, um, but but there is, you know, we can't deny there are there, there is hierarchy, there is order, oh, yeah, yeah. there is um, uh, progress, evolution, um, not in the Darwinian sense, but you know, am I a different person than when I was uh, eight years old? Of course, you know, mm -hmm. there is there is uh, kind of a stairway to climb. So the same thing could apply to the esoteric as well, but I guess it's it's more it's more a case of these stairways or these initiations being used as as a way of controlling people. I think that's the question because mm -hmm. they don't have to be, you know. Um, if we if we were to study anything, we would probably, you know, go the A B C, yeah, or A plus B equals C. Well, they even go back to, you know, again, I guess like, uh, you know, human versus machine. The machine can have, I guess, maybe set options. You can pick A or B. But the difference with the human and their free will, they could say, no, how about I pick C that I chose, made up myself. The computer is yeah. not going to do that. No, no. So I even think um, buying into the choices is starting to set you up like a machine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, if you look at the way that we're educated, it's very kind of uh, mechanical and um, uh, um, it's very linear. So it's kind of like uh, ABC, one, two, three, yeah. da, 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 start here, finish there. Um, when I think naturally humans are more cyclical um, in terms of like uh, uh, circulating in a spiral upward trajectory. Um, and that's... Uh, I guess you could say that's the true, the true way of of learning, of evolving, as opposed to starting here, starting here. Um, 
we call it uh, the horizontal line. So um, these people that are obsessed with keeping people trapped in the matrix, um, they're interested in keeping humanity on a kind of baseline, a hor horizontal line. Uh, we call them uh, horizontalists. So it's all about going from here. You know, uh, you're born, you go to school, you get a job, you pay your tax, and then you die. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, to get to get off of that baseline, you need some kind of uh, different way of being, a different way of looking at things. So um, going back to the ABC, so rather than us thinking ABC, I would uh, suggest that you think of A plus B equals C. And you can actually draw it in a in a um, uh, even in a triangle shape or yeah, in a different different way off yeah. the straight line. So it's kind of a different way of processing. And once uh, and remember, we've got to we've got to undo all of this kind of linear uh, type of indoctrination, this linear programming. Um, so it does take time, but that could be a good starting point. Um, and then you could use the A, B, and C, and you could move it around. So it doesn't have to be uh, from from left to right. It could be um, top down, um, bottom up, uh, a, a triangle. Yeah, you could turn the letters upside down. Start using um, um, some imagination. Start using, uh, and this is when we go into the world of, of sigils and uh, signs, symbology, and geometric shapes even. Which is actually what is drawing higher worlds down, because that's kind of the language of, of higher worlds. That's interesting. I was going to ask you something uh, about Sigil since you just brought that up. Was there anything you wanted to say or ask him, Synthetic? Well, I was just going to say with, with the concept of Sigils and stuff, yeah, they don't teach you that in school because <laughs> Coca-Cola, Taco Bell, the federal government have the secret, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. Vatican. Yeah. <laughs> in your opinion, uh, Lee, when it comes to like Sigils and Talismans, do you think uh, that somehow maybe those symbols can actually... Is it possible that you think maybe those things are already somewhere like in here? And then when you see them, maybe in certain ways, it might like trigger something in here. Like they already mean something deep in our subconscious and looking at them mm. might kind of turn something on. Well, yeah, the way I tend to look at it is that uh, some we have not all of them. I'm just saying so. Well, we have what's known as a higher center. So you, we've got a higher intellect, our higher emotions, which we generally don't access on a day to day basis. But the language of the higher centers would be in um, um, in terms of frequencies, geometric shapes, um, and, and, and signs and symbols, yeah? Um, this is why you could say that this world is controlled by signs and symbols. And until you start to see this world in terms of, and you could add frequency into that, um, frequency, signs, and symbols, it will, nothing will ever make sense. So in terms of communicating, um, so as an example, and I'm not talking about the subconscious, I'm talking about uh, higher centers, higher intellect. Um, if somebody was to create a sigil and you see it, it means that your higher center will see it, not necessarily the lower center, Yeah, your lower intellect. It won't make sense to the lower intellect. And um, equally, when we want to bring information from um, our higher centers, and this applies to, say, remote viewing. And remember, remote viewing is just a kind of uh, washed version of psychic or psionic phenomena. Yeah, they just didn't want to use the term because they couldn't. It doesn't sound good to get funding. Yeah, so right. they gave it more of a scientific name. Um, one of the main things when it comes to remote viewing is the ability to articulate whatever it is that you're the data that you're collecting. 
because it may not be um, a red car parked outside, blah, blah, blah. Um, you may have to draw some kind of sigil or uh, geometric shapes um, because that's how you've received the data. Then you have to translate it into a red car parked outside Taco Bell or whatever, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is forms of communicating with, with the, I guess, the intellect that we don't access on a day-to-day basis. Um, you could also call it a kind of a deep type of programming. Um, so certain sigils will be loaded with a particular meaning, or they could, it could be a sentence or something uh, that's constructed. But your, I guess your higher self would understand it, but your lower self, it doesn't mean too much. Now, when you're talking sigil magic, is that something you guys incorporate into the dojos, chaos magic, things like this, or have you studied chaos magic and, and, and creation of sigils? Yeah, well, generally speaking, um, the way I teach is that everything is like a double-edged sword or a double-edged sure. knife. So um, it can be used for good, it can be used for not good. Okay, so um, one of the things that's very important to have any chance of protecting yourself is the ability to to know what's being done to you. You know, like uh, know thy enemy. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I will teach people how to... Um, not necessarily how to do sigil magic, but how to understand it. Right. And then once you understand it, then you can see if it's being done to you. It's a comprehension. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, you know, just taking in your work before this episode, I noticed you kind of mix Gnostic philosophy, hermetic thought. And I was mm. just curious as to where, you know, you've transcended the martial arts world into, you know, mind mastery, uh, yeah. What are the parallels you draw between, you know, Budo, the sharpening of the self, the, the warrior art, and um, what you're doing today? Well, ultimately, it comes back to, I guess you could say, personal protection. So, yes. um, uh, and these are kind of like the main things, like uh, awareness, uh, being centered, being grounded, uh, having focus, uh, attention, intention. Um, these are all qualities that uh, are required for the martial arts. Um, they're also required for the battlefield. Um, I'm not suggesting that battlefields are good, but I think um, the martial arts is, I guess you could say martial arts is just, uh, it's just a way of interpreting the qualities of consciousness. Yes. Mixed with the physicalities. Yeah. Um, so that's the main correlation is that I, I use the martial arts as a vehicle um, to integrate these non-physical qualities with the physical or um, a way to action the will into into manifestation. How you do one thing is how you do all things, essentially. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, this, the simple, and, and, and this goes back to, I guess, my esoteric studies uh, when I started out, especially with the Gurdjieff groups, because they're very much into the physicality. Um, being able to sense uh, the body, uh, having a quality of sensation through the body and through our senses. Um, and uh, <laughs> I remember <clears throat> I remember having a conversation in, in the early days when being naive, I was kind of like, oh, how, how do I get out of body? How do I get out of body? <laughs> well, the teacher said to me, he says, you know what your problem is? I said, why? He says, you're not in your body. He says, get, you need to get into your body. 
mm-hmm. before you can get out of it properly. And what he meant by that was, is that um, he could sense in me that I spent a lot of time maybe um, in my intellect projecting all of these thoughts and ideas all over the place. And sure. I didn't really have a good sense of turning that uh, attention inwards and, uh, and, and then back out through the body, through the sensations of the body. Uh, <clears throat> it was quite a humbling time, but it, it, it stuck with me. I think the body, you know, that was probably one of the, I guess when I started getting into a lot of meditation and like, you know, practices with you know, breathing and meditating and just, you know, sitting in certain positions for a while, that was probably one of the quicker things. I don't know if I was lucky that I actually did start like, I don't know, I just felt like, like, wow, I can actually like feel my body. <laughs> like, I don't know how to yeah. explain it, but it's like, or it's like if I like, envisioned like with my eyes closed my legs if i thought of it enough i actually felt them warming up you know to where it was like you know am i actually like focusing so much there that like there's energy that like it really weird like it was just definitely something that uh that really those little things right there is what me made me even think that like there's something up with magic like if if i if i'm getting this out of meditating like it's got to be even more wilder than this yeah, and um, <clears throat> there has to be a good reason why we, whatever your sort of uh, ontological beliefs are, there has to be a reason why we are inca- incarnated into a body. The body must serve a purpose. It, it can't just be a complete accident. So I think when it comes to spirituality, the body is often um, kind of neglected or even demonized when it could actually be the very thing that will um, ultimately help consciousness evolve. And this is very much uh, a question when when it comes to stimulation theory or artificial intelligence and uh, the transference of consciousness. Um, Depending on um, whatever your ontological belief system is, um, can spirit, can consciousness only exist in matter? Um, Is matter a projection of consciousness? Is consciousness an excretion of matter? makes a massive difference. If you're going to start playing around with taking somebody's consciousness and entombing it into some kind of a robot, um, those have to be serious questions. <laughs> Personally, I don't think you can. I don't think consciousness can live independent from uh, a body. Now, I agree. when I say a body, I don't necessarily mean a physical body. Um, I, I, when we talk about um, even astral projection, the consciousness has, is contained in a astral body. It's still a body. It's not just consciousness. And I think this is this is where they, I think they've reached a dead end. But that's not to say they're not going to try, and it's, it's not going to be some serious casualties uh, with yeah. the experiments of, of being pushed into a, a consciousness without a body. And if you think about it, for the most part, and I know when a lot of people have experiences of uh, like having a bad trip, there's this desperation to get back into the body, yeah, or the sense of the body, um, because it's almost the, the body that uh, is a safe place to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start playing around with consciousness leaving the body, uh, and you haven't formulated uh, a vehicle uh, to tr- for it to travel in, like an astral body 
or a etherical body or even a mental or emotional body for it to travel into anything um, that could replace the physical body then I think you're in dangerous grounds and I think that's what happens when people have a bad trip that's interesting so, it's probably the definition of a bad trip uh, it's all, and I think this also connects heavily with uh, dark magic so if uh, um, a dark magician has the ability to trick somebody's consciousness to get out of the body and they don't have a kind of re a replacement body, they're probably going to have serious psychological um, problems. I was going to ask you, do you think it's possible, since we're talking about stuff like this, not to get like a high strangeness question here, but uh, do you think it's possible, I guess, something almost like Frankenstein, where maybe you could take someone's consciousness and shove it in something else? Um, I think... Hypothetically, yes, but in practice, I don't know. Um, gotcha. Now, if you look at all of the Frankenstein and even the Gollum stories throughout history, yeah. they've never ended well. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> it's a really good point to make, actually. <laughs> humans have this innate uh, ability to never learn from their, their mistakes. Yeah. So this is what I mean. This is why... Um, even though I think hypothetically it's not possible, they're still going to try it, and there will be some serious consequences and uh, catastrophes based on the attempts of extracting the consciousness and putting it into something else. Um, I think it's very uh, dangerous territory, uh, and this is why most of my work isn't necessarily given the complete solution and the answers, because a lot of it I don't know. Um, but it, we need to be asking these questions. We need to be looking at, uh, and a good place to start is looking at the sort of uh, ontological belief systems of those who are trying to do it. Mm. From my own personal research, the majority of them are materialists. Yes. Okay. Um, so therefore, they don't truly understand the consequences of trying to remove consciousness and put it into another uh, material body. You make a really good point, though, to taking it back to the the Gollum, a story out of Jewish folklore, to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, to now we're talking about, oh, we'll just upload your consciousness to the cloud, or human beings are hackable animals. It it, it seems to have cycled in a way, and here we go again. Uh, yeah. I, I don't personally believe the whole uploading a consciousness to a cloud. We're definitely not there yet. Um, I think these ideas are being thrown around, but it, it, it's interesting how it, you know, it sort of maybe doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. But see, science is hit a very, it's a very hard question of consciousness. Uh, like I said before, um, they're still not fully sure. And you could, you could include quantum physics with the observer effect and things like that. They're still not totally sure. Like I said a little bit earlier, whether, um, matter only exists because we observe it or whether consciousness only exists because matter excretes it it's almost like chicken and egg situation yeah. uh, and that's the hard question that science is facing at the moment right now and um, I, f looking at the stuff that they put forwards um, and I'm sure that's probably not uh, the entirety of it there's, there's a lot of uh, black ops and uh, so on and so forth taking place with regards to this whole subject of consciousness. Um, looking at the stuff they put forwards, it's kind of a little bit, it's a little bit childish almost. It's almost like 
they grew up on a PlayStation and they think they can do certain things which A, they have no right to do and B, it's not possible anyway. But that doesn't mean to say that there's not serious consequences to their actions. Or a different agenda being, behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not to say that in the future it might be possible. I think the main thing right now is that they need to create a vehicle for the consciousness to travel in. If they're going to take it from subject A to subject B. Or object, <laughs> even. It's all about the vehicle. How do they contain that consciousness? And I think a lot of them are fighting at the moment. Um, uh, and I think the fight is taking place between between materialism, idealism, dualism, um, processism. Because um, they're all different ideologies, all different um, like ontologies of of consciousness and its relationship to to matter. Um, I, they're not in agreement. Uh, so even on a base level, so if you look at um, Elon Musk, he really hates augmented reality. You know, he thinks wearing the headset, like uh, that's kind of Mark Zuckerberg's vision of um, a simulation. Uh, Elon Musk really doesn't like it, okay? Uh, he says it's dangerous, it won't work, blah, 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 because you're wearing a headset, okay? But what he's not telling you, that he wants to actually put the headset inside you. right. He wants to take that step further. So you're going to be directly plugged into whatever it is they're trying to do. Um, so once again, you could say that they're slightly different in terms of their ideology. Um, neither are partic particularly great. But at the same time, like we've already discussed, uh, technology in itself isn't evil. It isn't bad. In fact, it could be very useful for humanity if it was used in the, in a, in the appropriate way. Uh, the problem is, is that it's, it's in the hands of those that don't really have particularly good intentions. Um, they don't have mor morality. Mm. Uh, they're only interested in, and this, is, um, this takes us to materialism, they're only interested in immortality. Right. They don't care about morality. And this takes us right back to, say, uh, 18, 18, around about 1875, when um, you could say that was the birth of scientism or the particular brand of scientism that we're now experiencing, they systematically took out spirit from religions, uh, especially Christianity. Um, this is why I say the, the Orthodox churches, they're more kind of esoteric, more spiritual. Um, but if you look at a lot of the other churches, they pretty much played it down. Um, and that was a massive uh, psyop, that was a massive um, hijacking and corruption. Um, and they had to do that because they wanted to take away the notion of uh, non-physical bodies, of um, some kind of quality of consciousness, uh, spiritual spiritualism, um, all of those things, because they were heavily invested in making, I think, material. So materialism. Okay, now the problem with materialism, um, we all know that it comes to an end. So that's why they're obsessed with life extension, immortality. Um, basically, where a spiritual person would would think in terms of developing a higher being body, an astral body, a spiritual body to, to move on to, they, they're on a horizontal line. They can only think of how to extend that horizontal line using science. 
Right. Uh, so you could say that we're actually at war with a mindset, with a belief system. Because they believe in materialism, for the most part, they have to then look at life extension. And it doesn't entail morality, because, for instance, if you, if you want to develop a spiritual body, uh, an everlasting spiritual higher being body, um, the only way you can really do that is with having some type of morality in, in alignment with uh, some kind of divine spark or, or cause causation. Um, this is why most of these uh, scientists and groups are anti-God. Uh, they have God complexes. They actually want to be God. Um, and therefore, they don't care about morality. And this is where, this is where I take, um, I have a problem with this simulation theory that's being pumped out into the truth communities um, because uh, it's nihilistic, it's anti-God. Um, I don't think it's the baseline because you have to ask the question. A simulation by definition means that there must be an original, uh, there must be a, an original version or original baseline what are you reality. simulating yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah now once you go into the realms of simulation uh basically what you're saying is nothing's real nothing matters everything's scripted uh there's no more responsibility uh it's like I say it's anti-creation it's anti-god it's nihilistic um it also means and and uh, i probably won't talk too much about it now but it also means that in the future once people have, have accepted some kind of false reality of uh, simulation that they would would have to or they could bring out simulation law okay oh, now what yeah. does that mean it means oh, that so me as example this, yeah earlier and this, i was like damn I yeah thought of this shit. yeah so what would that look like it would mean something like well okay i did this that or the other in the past um it was a heinous crime uh, it could even be something to do with depopulation, hint, hint, um, that you would stand before a simulation court, a simulation judge, who would actually say, well, it was a, it, you did it in the simulation, so here's your uh, simulated sentence. Or we can actually go back um, and correct whatever you did. And they get to walk, walk away. So you could say simulation theory, simulation law, favours people with bad intentions, as opposed to a, a, a more organic cause and effect, a more karmic, natural law, where if I bang my head against the wall, guess what? It's probably going to hurt and I'm going to cut my head open. <laughs> I might get a headache. <laughs> and this is why I think it's very dangerous. I think it's... Uh, uh, like I say, I don't have all the answers, but I think we need to... <laughs> um, I don't have all the answers, but I think at this point, especially those in the, in, on the side of the truth, need to actually take a good look at the implications of what it could actually mean and also look at who's pushing it. It's the usual suspects. Yes. They're pushing simulation. Yeah? Even science is now pushing simulation. I thought the truth movement uh, last year was against science, was against... Uh, um, you know, Gil, tell me that didn't flip a switch real quick. Yeah, yeah, and I think in so many ways um, at once, though, like it's just wild. Yeah, and over the last six months, I would say um, I actually did a presentation called Panpsych Panpsychism, which was uh, you could say it was a look 
into um, ontology, uh, belief systems of the relationship between spirit, consciousness and matter um, and the implications moving, in, <clears throat> moving into the future. For the most part, it's trying to articulate and explain things that haven't happened yet. So uh, I think there are certain um, uh, advancements in technology that will happen quite quickly that we don't even know about, we don't understand. It could be connected to um, um, electromagnetic, electromagnetic frequencies, D-wave, and all of, these, all of these things. Okay, so I think there's lots of potential, not necessarily surprises, because I think for the most part, humanity will sleepwalk into a lot of this stuff. Um, we probably won't notice it, because we'll be busy being distracted. Um, but going back to what I was gonna say, that <clears throat> over the last six months, my biggest fear now is that those that were freed from all of the BS from 2020, uh, and it gave some kind of conscious shock to awaken them up, um, they're now being curtailed back into certain rabbit holes. Um, and say, for instance, in 2020 or late 2020, a lot of people probably had the kind of um, <clears throat> some kind of dark awakening where they were like, oh my God, everything is a lie. You know, we can't trust anything anymore. Um, my university degree is probably BS, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm going to make a fresh start. I'm going to start to research things. I'm going to look into things. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that probably lasted for about six months to a year. Now, even the truth movement are just believing whatever they see on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big problem. And, and don't for one second think that those that want to control this world aren't going to put out a lot of these theories and ideas and conspiracies, oh, yeah. so on and so forth. Totally, totally agree with that. Mm. That's I, I, part, of, part of my teaching, I, say, I teach students, I say, look, there, it, there is a psyop for every single one of us. <laughs> Don't ever for one moment think <laughs> that you're not invincible from being psyopted. Because so we true. can all fall for something. <laughs> yeah, It's so true. <laughs> I love it, yeah, for real. For real. <clears throat> you're totally right. There's a, there's a few yeah. out there for each one of us, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and every time every time we kind of up our game, there'll just be some fresh new psyops within psyops within psyops, uh, rabbit holes, red pills, blue pills, purple pills, black pills. It, it, it goes on and on. But at the same time, I, I, I like to be upbeat. I like to, uh, I see, and this brings back the correlation with martial arts. Martial arts teaches you to, not to shy away from the challenge, not to shy away from the fight, but to um, um, to actually be courageous. Um, and, and the definition of, of courage is is to go into a fight without knowing or having the expectation of even winning, but still fighting anyway. <laughs> exactly. Well well uh, synthetic. Is and I think that's where we're at. We're at. Sorry about Sorry. that. No, I was just going to ask Synthetic if there was anything else he wanted to ask you. I unfortunately do have to wrap it up soon. So. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Right. This was a great episode. Yeah, yeah, especially the way you're ending it right there. I was like, damn, that was really good. Maybe we'll just leave it there. Too. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think that's where that's where we're at. Yeah. In the truth community, we got to take on fights that we don't know if we're going to win. Um, Taking us right back to man versus machine, which potentially is a fight. Um, we have to go forwards with courage, not knowing whether we're going to become some kind of cyborgs or our children will be born into some kind of a cyborg 
reality. Um, but I think it's a good fight and we have to um, do what we can. And I think for the most part, I guess this is our evolution of consciousness is that we, through, through the struggle, through the um, friction, um, we get to evolve consciousness. Got to apply some heat first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get that spark going. <laughs> yeah. Steel yeah. sharpens steel. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Very well said. Uh, thank you both for jumping on. Uh, Synthetic, thank you so much for jumping on and co-hosting with me. Uh, I look forward to doing more of that down the road, and that will definitely happen, uh, especially for people listening on uh, Cult Rejects and Friends. Um, you know, you'll definitely see more of uh, Synthetic PSYOP on there. Uh, Lee, thank you so much for an amazing and awesome chat. Uh, I really, truly enjoy that. It was nice to hear someone from across the pond, you know, just come on and talk yeah. about what they're doing, you know, just people in other parts of the world. Uh, let everybody know where they thank can you. find your stuff again. Yeah, so we've got a website, innerguardians.com. That's one word, innerguardians.com. Uh, we've got our YouTube channel, which is, I believe, is in in the description. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've got a Facebook page, which is called Inner Guardians. I believe it's the only one, um, so it's quite easy to find. Gotcha. And Synthetic, I will also add uh, whatever links you want to give me. I'll add them into uh, the show notes after this. I'll put it up. I just wasn't sure what to throw in there before you jumped on. Oh, no I didn't. I didn't know if you had any links you wanted to give out. So. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, and also, uh, just for the people that are still here, I'm I'm hoping that uh, in a few weeks, we uh, I don't know if we'll be live when we do it, but I am uh, hoping that we will have uh, Lee back on, but it will be on the uh, Cult Rejects and Friends and hopefully covering a specific topic. Uh, and if not, I'm sure he'll be on anyway if that doesn't happen. But uh, I, I would <laughs> like to, what we talked about earlier, I'll possibly do that on a bigger platform. So if that happens, uh, definitely check, uh, keep an eye out for that. I think it will be a very interesting I'm looking forward to it, so whatever. Uh, keep an eye out for that, and it should be uh, the three of us again, maybe an extra person, but it should be uh, me, Synthetic, and Lee again on the Occult Rejects and Friends. So, uh, yeah, check out his YouTube channel. Check out his, uh, his link in the bottom for his website. I'll add Synthetics in probably a few minutes as soon as I jump off of here. And uh, my show, uh, Cold Rejects and Friends and the Spiritual Gangsters, all of that is uh, neatly placed in the link tree that Helen made me. Thank you, everybody, also for jumping in on the live. I mean, there's a bunch of people in here. I don't even know who you are, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> H.O. Uh, Hog, Hogdan Munch, whatever that is. Clara Wayne, Arnold, Helen, uh, Auntie, Donna... There was another Helen in here, a whole bunch of his. Thank you all for jumping in. Thank you for checking out my show. There was a, peop a few people already that said they subbed. Thank you. That's what's up. I really appreciate that. Uh, all the listeners from, uh, from Inner Guardians that came over, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, thank you all for jumping in on the chat and chatting it up. That's why I do this stuff. And uh, until the next one, everybody be well. Later.